My name is Becky Taylor and I'm a transformational coach dedicated to helping you become the very best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with incredible people from all around the globe who have been massively influential in my life in the hope that their knowledge can in some way benefit you. Along with life-changing conversations, I'll be sharing my ever-expanding knowledge from years of studying the mind, body and spirit, as well as incredible breakthroughs experienced by clients. I'm constantly in awe of the power of our minds and love tapping in and making change on a subconscious level. So if growth and evolution are the essence of who you are, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Be Your Best Self podcast. On this episode, I've got the amazing Chinsia Lee joining me. Chinsia is an actor, producer, singer, presenter, meditation teacher, and mindfulness coach. And if you've ever watched Channel 7 in Western Australia, listened to Triple M, Sydney, Smooth FM, or even seen an ad for Samsung TVs, then there's a fair chance you would have seen her beautiful face gracing your television screens or hearing her beautiful voice on your radio stations. Chinsia has also had various amazing roles in quite a few of our favourite musical theatre productions, including Jersey Boys and Grease, the arena spectacular. Acting, singing and dancing has always been a passion of Chinsia's since she were a little girl. But after some unfortunate events about 10 years ago, Chinsia found herself being drawn to meditation to help with crippling anxiety and stress and since has been traveling the globe learning many varieties and techniques to enable her to help clients with PTSD, stress, processing emotions and healing the body. Chinsia has spent time in some of the most beautiful places in the world such as Brazil, California, Mexico, India and Spain studying under incredible spiritual and thought leaders like Deepak Chopra, David G, Greg Braden, and Dr. Joe Dispenza. In October last year, Chinsia travelled to Europe and America to interview world leaders on science and spirituality for an upcoming online series that will be released soon. I cannot wait for this. Chinsia and I met recently on the Gold Coast while attending an incredible workshop with Dr. Darren Wiseman, And I knew as soon as I met her that I needed her to guest on this podcast. So let's not waste any more time and welcome Chinsia Lee to the show. Chinsia, thanks so much for being open to chatting today. I'm really excited and grateful for you to share your time and wisdom with us. And I have no doubt all of our listeners will be a much better versions of themselves by the end of the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such a pleasure to, to speak with you. Before we get started, though, I like to ask all of my guests a question. And the reason for this is so many of my coaching clients are terrified of allowing themselves to do this one thing and even more afraid of other people seeing them do it. And that one thing, believe it or not, is crying. So if you feel comfortable, of course, would you mind telling our listeners when the last time was that you cried and why and your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%. No worries. I'm a, I'm a big crier in terms of I really allow myself to feel all of my emotions. And that's been like uh, building a muscle, really, you know, allowing that, allowing that vulnerability. Um, and so for me, it was on last Friday night. So that's sort of just a week and a, oh no, Wednesday night, I think it was. So I was walking and listening to uh, a song and we have beautiful sunsets here in Perth. And I just allowed myself to stop and watch the sunset and put my hand on my heart and just be filled with so much gratitude and understanding that um, the, the lyrics of the song were basically when we're going through trials, it's because, you know, it's almost like grapes being stomped on to make wine. And just that relief in my heart of being reminded that through any trial, it's like there's 
just a beautiful outcome coming in that and there's a universal love that we can trust in when we're not quite sure logically what's going on and I just literally allowed myself on the path in Cottesloe with everyone driving by and running past I allowed myself to just put my hand on my heart and just watch the sunset and just lift my head and tears of joy and gratitude were streaming down my face and yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm not really aware of what other people are doing in those moments uh, in terms of individually, but you you do get a sense that that gives other people permission to, to do the same, you know, that when you're really authentic with what you're doing and allow, I, I believe that ripple effect, you know, it, it has an effect that we probably don't even really understand, you know, when we can be really present with what it is. Yeah. So that was the last time. I think it was Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday last week. So, yeah, yeah. five days. Five days, five days sober on the tears. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree with the ripple effect and it's whether, um, you know, crying or just expressing ourselves, you know, authentically how we feel and what we really think. I find that that gives people permission to express themselves as well, especially when it comes to being vulnerable and, you know, showing who we truly are and, Mm -hmm. you know, things that challenge us and um yeah I had a moment like that last night actually I was watching a um Tony Robbins seminar on YouTube I was watching Tony Robbins last night too really <laughs> shed a tear. I was watching I'm not your guru again I hadn't seen it for about seven months yeah and yeah oh my gosh that's so funny I love life yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I was just watching one on relationships actually um And he had a lady up there who'd been quite sad for about nine years. And anyway, he just started discovering, um, getting her to discover and acknowledge different parts of her. And he got them to name those parts. And this one particular part who had been present since she moved to the United States, she named her Agnes. And she was actually about 20 years older than what this lady whose name is Kerry was. But it was just this protective part of her who stepped in when needed when she needed it and I could just really relate to that because I'm sort of walking through some stuff um within myself at the moment a protective part of me that's been there for quite a long time and you know just really acknowledging that part and appreciating the role that they've played to be able to then let that part go um and it just I just laid there and cried and I know what you mean to just allow yourself to fully feel in the moment it's just such a beautiful thing yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Tony Robbins. How funny. <laughs> so I want my, um, well, our listeners to get to know you and understand your journey. So you're a meditation teacher and you've studied all over the world mm-hmm. with many amazing, incredible, um, teachers and thought leaders and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just incredible, but this is not what you've always done. And so you also a background in theatre, acting, radio. What drew you to that in the first place? And then what's progressed your journey to or your evolution to where you are now? What drew you to meditation? So I think it was always in my soul to be a performer. Mum said when I was in nappies, I used to like hold on to the side of the table and bounce and like to Dolly Parton's Life's Like a Butterfly till my nappy fell down. And no one could ever understand where it came from because no one in my family were musically inclined performance inclined so she put me into dancing when I was about two and a half and that was my life so I moved to Sydney when I was 18 to study at Brent Street School of Performing Arts and even then um you know I just I just knew it was right and I I never fit a mold though you know I was never um I was always you know, a bit different, a bit more of a rocky voice, a bit more of a, you know, just, and growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So I just went to singing and dancing at Johnny Young. I I didn't do the ballet and the tap and the technique and everything like that. So I remember when I got first asked to do a pirouette and I just thought, oh my gosh, I think that's a ballet sort of, so I'm trying to do this like ballet type thing. And really it just meant turn. Um, But somehow through the grace of God, I I got into this full-time performing arts school and moved to Sydney when I was 18. And uh, it just, it changed my life. The things that we got to do, the people we got to work with, it was unbelievable. Um, and my journey just kind of went on from there. I uh, got my first musical at 21, Greece, and we traveled Australia in a big tent, which was like a 2000 seat tent. And uh, I, 
I, it's funny because I was like, I want to get a musical. I want to see Australia and I want to work with John Farnham and Anthony Warlow. And so I got one of three spots in this musical and we got to tour for eight months around Australia and see more of Australia than most people ever see. And um, then uh, Anthony Warlow joined our cast as the teen angel. And then the next time I did Grease in 2005, John Farnham was our teen angel. So yeah, it was amazing. And um, so Sydney was great for me. And then I started working at a radio station, driving the cars and then moved into producing and being on air with the Dead Set Legend, which was great. And uh, became a voiceover artist in the mix of it all through the radio station. So I'm still the voice of Smooth FM in Sydney and Melbourne, which is great. But yeah, just had an amazing life as a voice artist as well, voicing for MTV and um, Music Max and Ford and um, the Samsung television. I'm the voice of that. And um, what else was I doing? Moved across to producing television, uh, the footy show, the NRL footy show on Channel 9. And yeah, just so many amazing things. And um, yeah, had a, had, a, had a really great... Oh, and then I did Jersey Boys. I was in Jersey Boys, which was a dream come true. And I totally manifested that. I went to New York and sat in the back row and went, this is the best show I've ever seen. I'm like, I'm going to play that role in Australia. And I saw she had an Italian name and I had an Italian name. So I just visualised my Italian name in the program for Australia. And then I got that role. I got to do Sydney and Melbourne Jersey Boys and, you know, meet Neil Diamond and Frankie Valley, And yeah, it's wild. We can manifest anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So what, what is it about performing um, that really gets you? Is it you being able to express yourself, connecting with people? What is it? To be honest, it was always just something that felt really right to me. It just felt like this is at that time in my life, I was like, this is all I want to do. And so, and, and it's also for me about being a part of something that's an amazing quality where people are really affected when they see it. And, you know, even the one woman shows that I've written, um, the cabaret shows and comedy, whatever it is I've been doing, it's always been with the, um, the goal that people leave having the most amazing time, uh, discovering something about themselves that they uh, perhaps didn't know that they would enjoy um, and to be able to leave just really, really uh, having had an amazing experience where they're, they're changed slightly and opened, you know, that, that's why I was always a performer. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate to that. You know, um, I saw Greece back. It would have been when you were doing it. I remember going. Um, and, you know, my mum used to take my sisters and I to musicals and things. We went and saw Happy Days and um, saw John, have seen John Farnham lots of times, but especially when I was younger and I think the first, the first concert I ever went to, I was nine and I saw Meatloaf and it was just like the most eye-opening thing ever. I remember one of his singers, she smashed a wine bottle over his head on stage, like just as part of the show. But I can completely relate to being somebody um, in the audience going to shows like that, you know, and, and going to Greece um, and, and leaving feeling exactly the way that you described that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it takes you to a different place, you know. It, it's almost like, you know, when we're, it's like, you know, how in the study that we've done, even with Darren Weissman, it's about being able to go deeper into a place that isn't in a reactive pattern to things. And when your mind is focused on that one thing, you know, you're seeing that performance, you're seeing those people, it, in those moments, you are totally connected to the truth of who you are and that beautiful inner child and that part of you that it allows yourself to use your imagination and to um, that isn't worried about bills or relationships or you know things that external stresses. In that moment, you get to just focus on something that's really moving you and and, and touching your heart. You know. And so are you able, as an actress, uh, are you able to um, play a role if there's a part of you not being able to connect on some sort of level or relate to that character? Like, could you play a role? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, for me, I've always chosen not to do things like horror or it, to me that I've always been such a sensitive soul and so 
there are people that can do it. Like one of my best mates, Maddie Backer, he's on uh, play school now, right? Which is like the epitome for Australian actors. They're like, I've made it. And um, he was one of our Frankie Valleys in Jersey Boys. And he's a phenomenal actor. And he loves horror. Like he just loves it. Like that's his preferred genre of movie. And I'm always like, I'm never watching that with you because I just know within myself that my brain doesn't know how to compute what is real and what isn't when I'm watching something like that. So as an actor, I never wanted to to go down that path. Um, But it's interesting because I remember getting to a point when, you know, you've delved into consciousness and uh, processing emotions and, and things like that. And I thought, well, what is it then if I, for instance, did a role that was, you know, um, feeling beaten down or, you know, uh, whatever that is. Like, does that get stuck in my body? And so I listened to um, Abraham Hicks talk about it, actors, and they're like, no, as long as it's, because there's sort of, you know, that gap, I think it's like 17 seconds or something like that, where, you know, if you, you, you can move things through your body, then it doesn't get stuck if you understand that you're just acting, you know. Um, but you know, everyone's really different. And so, you know, you'll see some actors go into method acting for things and then they, you know, they, if it's a very, uh, harrowing type of, or very horrific role that they're playing, you know, they can get a bit stuck in that and that can cause some problems. So, uh, yeah, but for me, it's, um, it's just amazing when you can connect with another actor and, that's that's the best thing when you you've got that communication going on and you're allowing yourself to because in the end we're all playing right like in life we're all playing a role so you know I catch myself sometimes having a conversation with someone I would consider myself oh yeah I'm very honest and authentic and then sometimes I'll say something to someone like you know I might have madly cleaned my house before someone comes around and then you're sort of part of you goes, well, I know this is the truth of who I am and they're seeing this, but the truth is if they walked in 15 minutes earlier, they would have been stepping over my whites for a wash, you know? So, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, and I can relate to where you come from with a couple of things that you said then. I don't like horror movies either because I find I'm the same. I find it really hard to um, separate what's real and what I'm watching. Um, but then at the same time, I love you know, really touching documentaries or movies because I'm just able to connect with that so much as well. Um, And also the same with being authentic. Um, I feel like I can put a really good game face on in most cases now if I'm a bit stressed or whatever, but if I need to show up, you know, I can be happy and bubbly and whatever else. But Mm -hmm. I guess it's the same thing. It's like, but, you know, am I being who I truly am you know I think that I'm an honest person and yeah (laughs) really open too but like I guess I cover that up but I think some of that as well is just you know it's a nice thing too it's a nice quality to have as well you know because I guess then you know there's you're not really dumping all your crap on other people and um you know like yeah I like to tidy up around the house when I know people are coming as well yeah yeah that's right yeah clear space (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) okay cool so you had this amazing career with acting Mm. and theater and and then so fast forward to where you are now and then the I think it's about 10 years ago isn't it when you first started studying meditation yeah that's correct yeah so I was uh working in an environment that was um I was it was heavily male and which never bothered me. I've always really loved that and throughout life found myself in lots of circumstances. But there was a circumstance where um, somebody uh, above me, put it that way, um, tried to uh, tried to sleep with me and I said no. And I didn't say anything to anyone else because I was just like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, But this person obviously took it as rejection and made my life what I would call a living hell at the time. Um, And so I, my vocal coach, actually, he had been talking about this Buddhist centre in Sydney and it's called the Vajrayana Institute. And he'd been saying, I think, you know, this would be a great place for you to go. Well, I'd always just gone, oh, cool, when, when the time's right. And I just knew in that environment that, I, it's interesting and I'm not sure what within me went to that place, but I, I, I said to myself, I need to be able to calm myself, center myself and have compassion for 
these people because there was a, um, a ripple effect from him because of obviously his feeling of rejection. He got in the ear of other people and um, that made my life very difficult. And I, yeah, I loved my job very much. Um, but I, for some reason, just went to a place of wanting to have compassion for those um, people and to have a better understanding of why people would behave that way and to be able to also, yeah, just calm and centre myself and have tools and techniques. So took myself to the Vajrayana Institute and started learning Buddhist meditation and started studying Buddhism. And I didn't become uh, a Buddhist, but for two years I would go there a couple of times a week and learn these techniques and it, it really, really helped with me. So I probably went up to about 20 minutes um, of meditation in each session, but it was it was an amazing experience at a very peaceful place. So that's how I sort of ended up in meditation, yeah, 10 years ago now. Yeah, and just going back a little bit, when you're in that workplace and you're experiencing that, what kind of effect was it having on you day-to-day life, emotionally, psychologically? Yeah. You know, did it take its toll yeah. over time or did it all just sort of hit you at once? What was your experience of that? I think initially for me it was it was shock because there's that feeling of I haven't done anything wrong to deserve this. And not only that, I haven't even told anybody else. So it's, it's not like I was inverted commas causing trouble or anything. Um, but it definitely for me was distressing. It was distressing because then the way I was getting treated by other people that had obviously been told something by one person, it was very upsetting for me. And because I felt like I was very good at my job, it made me even better at my job though, to be honest, because I just, there was no leeway for me, you know, um, they were on my back a lot. So it made me very, it made me even better at my job and it made me even more passionate about uh, the job I was doing and the people that I was working with to help them um, shine. And, but it was certainly upsetting for me um, and yeah, just really sad, really sad that I was going to go to this this job I loved in this workplace and, and not really know what I was going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it made me want to figure out ways of, it, you kind of go into a situation of, well, how do I cope with this really? Um, but underlying it's that sort of almost disbelief that you haven't done anything wrong, but you're copying it. And then you, but then you, you do really know that it's happening for you, not to you because that's what put me on my journey, right? That's what put me on the journey, yeah. And that's what I was going to ask is did did this thought of, okay, I feel like I'm being drawn towards compassion is what I need to have to be able to move through this and pass this. Um, Mm. So then, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to start learning to meditate and go to this place. Or do you go, did you go there first and then did it it come about, oh, okay, well, maybe compassion, you know, because compassion is such a massive tool when it comes to forgiveness. Mm. You know, it's understanding that there's a reason why people are the way they are and behave that way and it doesn't make it okay, but it's just having compassion, I guess, for their journey and their experience. Mm. You know, it's like hurt people hurt people. You know, like people who grow up in really healthy environments don't go then, you know, and um, become abusive and violent Mm. and aggressive. You know, that's generally what happens so what came first for you it's sort of like the chicken or the egg (laughs) to be honest and I don't know where it came from but it was the compassion and funnily enough I did start to learn more about the background of the people and you know you know one of them for instance was drinking and his you know wife and children didn't want to speak to him and the other one was in you know um, a relationship that wasn't you know very great and the other one was trying to succeed at a career that so I I did start to understand more about their lives and it didn't necessarily help what was coming at me but it just my intention behind wanting to understand better really did come to fruition because yeah and I don't even know where that came from it it really was wanting to have compassion that led me to it yeah it's sort of like, wild. Yeah. yeah, and I can relate to that too. I remember when I used to um, suffer from chronic, chronic, chronic anxiety um, and I just, 
I'll never forget being at, at my absolute worst um, and thinking, you know, I, I don't feel like I was suicidal, but I definitely thought to myself, if this is how the rest of my life is going to be, like I, I cannot do this for the simple fact that I'm, I'm like, my body is going to shut down. My body cannot continue to run on these higher stress and anxiety levels. Like it's just not possible. But I always had this little voice inside of me from somewhere coming in going, there's more, you know, just look, look, just keep looking like just there's something more. There's a reason for this and it's bigger than you like it. And I don't know where it came from. You know, I guess now looking back, I can see that it's probably, you know, it's my spirit. It's my soul. It's the truth of who I am. And it's the universe talking to me through that. But at the time I didn't know, it's just, I just had this burning thing inside me so it's really cool when things like that happen that's amazing that Mm. that step for you came first yeah 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 I know it's quite mind-boggling really when I because I haven't really thought about that for a long time and you sort of getting me to really clarify that and it's like yes a hundred percent I yeah yeah because people ask me you know why do you do what you do and then I share some of my story and like well you know where did you start? Like what happened? You know, what was the biggest help? And it's like everything that I've done, um, educating myself on the mind, emotions, um, and especially anxiety in the early days to really understand what goes on there was the biggest thing, but it wasn't anything in particular. Everything just sort of laid upon the other, but it all started with that. Just don't give up. Like there's more, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. And I suppose it's like anything, you know, when it's just becomes normal to us. We don't stop and think and reflect um, back, but that's, yeah, that's really cool that you just yeah. had the compassion. It's like it, it's like it was almost like up on a billboard you kept seeing somewhere. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you've gone there and then you've started meditating and then how, what transformations, what did you feel within yourself? What happened by starting this practice? Yeah, it really, uh, for me at, at the Vajrayana Institute, it really became a place of peace. It was peace and wanting like you to understand better the mind-body connection and the tools that the, that people have been using for thousands of years, you know, and that was that was really everything to me. And then from there I went to Brazil and was in five thrown into five hour meditations straight away there and I'd only ever done 20 minutes. So it's, it's all of them are like initiations, you know, but you go, yeah, I can do this. And so when you come out the end of it, you're like, wow, that's, that is profound. And so it just was a, an onward journey from there for me. Then I um, went to study with Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Center and learned mantra-based meditation, which I really enjoyed, you know, learning, understanding mantras, um, how to drop different sutras into the chakras. And that that was a really great thing to learn how to self-regulate on your med- longer meditations as well. So when I came back from there, I was able to run meditations for an hour and a half on my own twice a day. And that was really great. And when I went back the following year, I did it in silence and uh, that was incredible. So there's 45 of us in silence and 450 people talking. So we would uh, be on our own for half a day and then Deepak would come in and teach with us and then we would join the big group. And I can tell you that when you're in silence, it is the most amazing experience and especially if you're around then 450 people talking, the noise and just the the amount of speaking that we in general do that is so not important, you know, uh, it really helps you when you're in silence to, to hone your other senses and skills. And the connection that I had with people in the group and the synchronicities that were happening were just out of this world. And I remember joining a group of talkers because we could sit on our own when we ate, you know, we had badges saying, um, you know, silence and stuff. And it's funny, people would come and talk to you and then you sort of point at your badge and they go, Oh, sorry. Like you're somehow a leper or something. And, but I was, I was in a big group of people that, and I was in silence and it was really interesting. Their reaction to it. People would be like, Oh, you're in silence. And then they'd say, I could never do that. You know, I like people too much. I just, and I'm thinking, this is hilarious. Like I'm, 
I'm here, you know, you, you, people are forgetting that you're like, well, I wanted to go, I'm a people person, but that's what being in silence teaches you is to not have your immediate reactions to things. You know, my first day in silence, I locked myself out of my room and we can't write notes, we can't do, and my initial reaction would have been to try and pick up a phone or run to reception or do, and I just went, well, there's not much I can do. So went to the course, came back of about of the afternoon and one of the workers saw me with the badge and he assumed I was deaf. And because I couldn't tell him I wasn't, he was just like, are you locked out of your room? And I just sort of nodded and he goes, I'll let you in. And so without having to force the universe or do anything, it unfolded. And then another time I was sort of hungry in between breaks and I had a choice of going back to my room to get my Vegemite crackers, which I travel with or to rest. And I felt like I needed to go outdoors and just be in the, you know, in the sunshine. So I trusted that. And so I was laying there and then I got up at one stage and for some reason, my memory went to a place where someone at this place called, it's called La Costa Resort. It's a beautiful place in California and it's got orange trees. And I just remembered her on the first day saying, if you find an orange, you can eat it. And now there were no visible oranges on any tree, but something made me reach into the center of this tree. I literally went in like this and pulled it apart. And inside was this one big orange. And I was like, oh, and I went, I pulled it out and I looked down and there was another lady from the silent group there. And she just looked at me and went, oh, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and then I sat down and someone tapped me on the shoulder and gave me a carob there. It's like, the things that unfolded when you didn't do your standard rush around, need to get everything perfect, figure it out, um, was amazing. Yeah. And I got to be part of a, an advanced meditation study group with UCLA there as well, which was actually one of the first studies into regrowing telomeres. And that was great to be a part of that. You know, the, the results were huge for us. Um, we, we were actually regrowing our telomeres within a week and, uh, for people that don't know, that's the end of the, you know, the shoelace of our DNA. And as that erodes, that's what, you know, causes disease or aging. And um, yeah, they never thought they could regrow. But within that week, it was scientifically proven. There were slightly uh, wider needles for that one, which made it difficult to do the yoga part every day. But just so grateful to be a part of that, you know, all of it. Mm. And so during that week when that the over that what's involved in that what what did you have to do to participate in that yeah so uh seduction of spirit is the first one that i attended and basically you are learning different uh, techniques to do with mantra-based meditation so deepak was um, initially uh, aligned with TM, Transcendental Meditation, and he has broken away from that. So it's not called TM, you know. I think everyone is very um, particular about the, the titles of things. And so, but that's, it's, you know, it's the Hindu philosophies. And, and you know, uh, Deepak has an amazing book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. So we would dive more into those and how there's, you know, certain on Monday, you just focus on these things on Tuesday. So it's like bite-sized ways of, of living. And we had amazing teachers there. We had, you know, Byron Katie, Carolyn Mace, Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle, you know, spoke with Deepak when I was there, Anita Mojani, um, Ken Druck, who is an amazing speaker. I recommend people look into him. He his daughter went on a Kentucky tour, I think it was, and the bus fell off the side of a mountain. She was 18 and he never saw her again. So he was able to speak to us about resilience and grief. And at the time I was going through a divorce and I was in a lot of pain and he came up to me. We spoke afterwards and he said, you know, people say, oh, things will go back to normal. And he said, nothing ever goes back to normal. It becomes a different kind of normal and that really helped me through my life, you know, even when my mum passed away, it's like, and even passing that knowledge on to people. So I was, I was really fortunate at the Chopra Centre to be exposed to amazing teachers and, uh, yeah, just really, just really profound. And then the following year when I went back to do it in silence, um, and that's when they taught us, uh, there's an amazing Vedic astrologer that works very close with Deepak called Brent Bekvar, and he taught us advanced techniques um, to be able to do uh, different mantras and things like that. And yeah, it was just, it's profound. It's profound. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love um, 
yeah, I love what you said just then is, you know, you can't go back. Like you can't, it won't ever be normal. It'll be a new normal. Mm -hmm. And it's the same as, um, you know, a lot of my clients are like, you know, I just, I I just want to feel like how I felt before, you know, I just want things Mm -hmm. to go back to how they were before. And like, you know, I understand that, but like we can't, you know, but also, do you really want it to? Because that's ultimately what led to where you are now as yeah. well. You know, if everything goes back there and slots back into place and happens again, uh, especially when they come to me and they're in chronic anxiety and stress and, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a really bad place within themselves. And it's, so it's always nice to remind them of that too. It's like, well, you know, it's about appreciating what was, but letting that be and then creating something new and then, you know, learning from this and implementing those tools and, you know, becoming stronger. And just before, I just want to ask you, how long were you in silence for? Seven days. Wow. And I did not want to come out of silence. It became my best friend. It, yeah. it was such a gift, like such a gift. It, yeah, it makes me almost like a bit teary thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's something that I think everybody should try. And I've never done Vipassana, you know. That's my understanding is that everyone's in silence the whole time type. But um, I, I highly recommend it. And, and Deepak does an, um, an advanced silence course called Silent Awakenings, and he and his wife actually attend that one. You need to have done the, all the steps to do that. But that I would really love to do as well. It's, um, it's amazing. Sometimes I just do a day of silence and... It just really cleans your thoughts out, you know. Yeah. And was is it? Um, am I thinking of Eat, Pray, Love, or some movie like that um, where they're in silence? Oh, something that I've seen, um, and I just remember seeing the little stickers that you right, right. at the ashrams. I'm in silence, and then she came out of silence because she was little Susie Cream Cheese. She had to greet people, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's yeah. a discipline, you know. It's a discipline mm. and it helps you to understand how much talking you do when you don't need to yeah. as well. And, and that's why I think everybody should try it. Mm. And so how is that then carried into your everyday life? Do you find yourself pausing before responding? Do you find yourself just wanting to, um, you know, have days of silence? Mm. How does that, you know, how does that show up in your everyday life? How is the flow on? I think what it's done for me is definitely I've become a person where I I sit and observe a lot more and sometimes people don't know what to do with that but uh, I'm learning that that's okay and the flow-on effect from that to be honest is that I became a meditation teacher with David G, who was the head teacher of the Chopra Centre and the Dean of the Chopra Centre University. Um, He's now no longer there full time, but I chose to become a teacher with him through being through those experiences. And so that's probably how it affected my life more than anything is that it led me down that path. And I think becoming comfortable with silence really helps us in uh, meditation and mindfulness space as well, because as soon as we close our eyes, you know, most people will say to me, I, I just try to meditate, but I, I, I close my eyes and I, I just, I just can't, my mind just goes crazy in my mind. And it's like, of course it does because we've allowed it to do that. And now it's in control of us. And the more that we can become comfortable with silence and having our eyes closed and going within, the more that the body calms down, you know, otherwise it's like a wild stallion, you know, it's just doing what it's always been allowed to do and it's in survival constantly. And when we can take those moments to be silent and to learn it in partnership as well or in friendships, you know, people find it so uncomfortable to sit in silence because we start, the mind starts going, what does this mean? what are they thinking? Like, what are, what is that? Or do I need to say something? Oh, I better think of something. It's like this constant wheel. And the more that we can become comfortable with silence within ourselves, the more that we're comfortable with silence with other people. Yeah. And so to me, it sort of, it sounds like how I would imagine it. Um, it's sort of like, you know, it's being comfortable with silence, but it's also like a flip side because it's like before the silence the storm needs to pass. So I guess is it like when people close their eyes and they're like, my mind's just going 100 mile an hour, if yeah. they allow themselves to just sit with it, 
will that sort of pass and slowly calm down and then they'll actually be able to, I suppose, experience the true, like the silence, like the, um, the calm and the peace. And I guess that can be, I suppose, confusing for some people if they go, oh, okay, silence, close my eyes. It's the complete opposite. This is not working. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I know for myself, you know, like, like you, I was a sufferer of chronic anxiety to the point that in 2007, uh, when I was working with Michael Slater, who's an Australian cricketer uh, on the Dead Set Legends on Triple M, and he had been going to the Black Dog Institute for bipolar. And I was so crippled with anxiety at the time that he got me in there um, to the Institute. And I would just, you know, every week I would wait for that appointment to see that psychologist because I was in such, you know, with anxiety when you're just flared and you've got the cage around your chest and you, you know, you can't figure out what's going on. And so I've come from there. So I get it, you know, and I think that's what's so great about all these experiences in our life we can see now because we can speak with people that have that crippling anxiety and say, I understand I was there. And so meditation wasn't something that I would have ever thought of. Um, and then obviously, you know, a couple of years after that, you know, I, I started meditating and I, it's a process. It's just like going to the gym. We don't go to the gym once and say, why don't I look like, you know, the professional sporting teams, you're like, well, no, it's a, it's a process. And like anything or learning a language or, and we are going to have thoughts because thoughts means we're alive. And I'm a, a big advocate as the, as a, the meditation teacher I am in, I, I don't believe in saying, let go of all your thoughts. That's just me because we have thoughts and it's more saying, okay, so if my mind drifts away to thoughts or things or situations, I just, become aware of it and then I drift it back it's like if a child got up to bat for the first time at baseball and swung and missed and we said oh you're terrible you're like the child wouldn't do it again or if a puppy did something wrong we wouldn't chastise it we'd just go oh you know it's learning or if you know a kid if a kid tries to walk and falls over as a baby we don't say oh you're a dummy so it's the same thing with us We're, we're teaching ourselves it's about being it's about the awareness really. Oh, I've had a thought like, you know, we can, even for myself as a advanced meditator, I'll go into meditation. And obviously it's much easier for me these days, just like it's easier for someone else to run 10 kilometers at, you know, 12 Ks an hour than I, you know, than I would do. And, but I still go, I still have my shopping list thoughts or I have my Oh, you know, did I say the right thing to that person or did I? And then you just bring it back and you, you know, whatever meditation I'm doing at the time, I just come back in. And that is meditation. Meditation isn't being this perfect being that sits there with no thoughts, that goes into outer space and then comes back and life is perfect. That's not what it is. Meditation is a, it's a, a technique and a tool and it's something that we do just like we have a shower or brush our teeth and for some reason we don't brush our teeth or have a shower and go I didn't shower perfectly that time it's the, the with the mind we're just doing the same thing we're washing the mind and we're building that muscle you know of resilience and health and yeah yeah do you think there's um do you think there's a bit of a I don't know whether issue is the right word to say but Within the whole, you know, because meditation, mindfulness is something that's very um, spoken about a lot in mainstream and most people understand now that, okay, yes, there's obviously something to it and, you know, this is really good for me and I know that it would help and this and this and this. But do you think there's not enough people out there just being really open and honest like yourself um, to say this, you know, it's okay to start hearing. You will start hearing to build on it. It doesn't have to be perfect because it's sort of, it can be quite confusing for people, I think, because there is so much of it in mainstream media, I guess, but it's also sort of up on this pedestal and people give up really easily because they think it should be something that it's not the first time they try. They don't have that instant so what do you think needs to happen there I suppose obviously if people um, come across with you and work with you one-on-one can you communicate that to them Um, well I always just say to people too like I'm going to give you a toolbox of techniques that's the way that I've been trained I never wanted to be trained in one type of meditation because a I've 
experienced and studied many types around the world, but also I don't believe there's one way, just like there's not one language or one religion or one, you know, it's, and it's about allowing yourself to experience something for a certain amount of time, you know, and I mean, some people will say 21 days, some will say 40, but I believe that it's just about giving it a red hot crack and you'll find that there's something that feels you know, more comfortable to you. Like some people love a mantra based meditation. So, you know, we might work with them with a, a simple mantra, like so hum or I am. And what that's doing is just a it's mind training. Mantra is mind training. We're just allowing the mind to focus on that. And, or they might love breathing techniques or, you know, there's a technique, uh, like a distressing technique called squeeze and release. And you'll see people, I think, I'm pretty sure Tony Robbins and stuff do that, but you know, where you'll, you'll clench and you allow everything to sort of come up one side and then you release and then you'll, and people are finding that that gives them immediate release in the body. And I think when you start to delve into different techniques like that and you start to find, Oh, hang on, I do feel a shift. It's uh, it's about acknowledging that there has been a shift, even if it's just a minuscule one, which is why you'll see things like, you know, EFT or tapping, they'll say, you know, um, or even with Darren with the lifeline, you know, you'll say, well, you know, what, what am I feeling? Where is it in my body? If I rate it from zero to 10 and then after you've experienced, you know, a meditation or, uh, you know, an energy, whatever that work is, you go back in and you just touch base with yourself because it's important to notice the small changes. Cause otherwise we're like, well, I don't know, do I feel different? Or maybe a little bit. It's like, but that little bit, is the start to everything and that can be the key that unlocks the door and so i will you know introduce people to different techniques and tools and then we just we sit with that and i will sit there with them and the thing is i've experienced all of those so i'm able to translate it because you know that's what we are really as as coaches and teachers and and trainers we've experienced that so we can just say to people you're cool you know like what you're experiencing is normal. And yeah, I, I think that's with people, people give it a go and they go, I can't do it. And so I want to say to them, well, you know, let me help you with that. Or let's just do five minutes a day. Even if it's one minute a day, you know, if you can do that one minute twice a day, you're on your way. And then you just increase it incrementally, you know? Yeah. And what do you think the um, importance is, to as a coach um because i feel really strongly about this to be able to be relatable for your clients it's sort of like practice what you preach you know it's like yeah. I, I wouldn't go to a hairdresser who has terrible hair you know so do you think it's more important like i think it's definitely um it definitely is for somebody who say if you have a, a niche or the people that you're working with for you, I guess, for you to be relatable to them mm. about your experiences or even just when you started, you know, learning to meditate and, you know, the steps that you took and how important it is to go slow and then reflect back and see how far mm. you've come. But just, and do you think, um, is it that there's a lot of people potentially working, um, I suppose, giving information, coaching people on a topic that they haven't necessarily experienced or connected with themselves? Or do you think it's more that they're not open to be vulnerable and share their story? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not too sure because I feel like when I come across somebody that perhaps is, is that I sense it very strongly. And so I tend to sort of turn away from what it is that I don't relate to. And I open up to the people that I feel like have lived that life and are in that authenticity uh, because I know for me, you know, I, I believe that we are addicted to distractions a lot of the time. And so my time is really precious and my energy and attention is really precious. So I know that for me, you know, as a teacher and a coach, my work is in doing the meditation myself. That's what the key is. That's everything, you know, there is no point in me talking about it if I'm not doing it. I wake up in the morning, I'm straight into gratitude. I've trained myself. Like I am in gratitude so that otherwise the horse is bolted and the race is run and the next things happen and that. So as soon as I wake up, 
I'm totally in gratitude. I am great. I'm literally going, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for my bed. I'm so grateful for my room. I'm so grateful to have all my limbs working. And then I do a bit of hoponopono, which is um, a Hawaiian technique. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Yeah. And that's how I straight away start my day before I've done my inverted commas, you know, meditation. And um, quite often, because I live on the beach here, I'll go down and I do my meditation there just with the waves and everything. But meditation is what I do every day. It's what I'm passionate about. And it's not to say that I don't have those, because uh, our body is addicted to those emotions of, uh, you know, fight or flight or fear, or I better distract myself with this or that. It's not that I don't come up against that either. Every single person does. Mm-hmm. But it's about going, oh, you know what it is? I never regret meditation. I never regret it. I, I don't. And I've never done one where I go, I wish I hadn't done that. Every single time I'm like, whoa, this has totally helped me to be a better version of who I am, to step out into the world. And so that's what I hope that people understand. And, and you know how it'd be the same for you in coaching that you just notice that people just come up to you and have conversations with you about meditation or themselves or um you know, and I find, especially for me, it's that warrior energy. And I find that to be the greatest gift of all. And that's why I trained with who I trained with, because he works with elite military and professional sporting teams and first responders. And I'm so passionate about working with them because I find that they're the people that have the conversations with me as well, you know, and I don't believe that would be happening if I wasn't doing the work myself if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. And so I guess now, so looking back, so you've learned meditation and you've implemented it yourself and you've mm. noticed these massive differences. Mm. What's then made you go, I want to share this with other people? Well, to be honest, I think that the, so I've been a Reiki practitioner for five years as well. Um, but probably what made the teeter totter in terms of becoming a teacher was after I'd done my second trip to Mexico with Joe Dispenza, that was 2017. And, you know, when you're doing intense meditation, like for instance, when we were there, we, he put us into overnight meditations from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. for three nights in a row and none of us were expecting it. So it really does challenge um, the neuroplasticity in your mind. You're really uh, breaking away the old version of you. And we do this thing called mind movies where you create, it's an app and it's created by Australians actually. And I, I highly recommend it for people. You put together either, you can bring in your own video or photos or songs, but they have their own as well. And you create this mind movie, which is the vision of the future that you want to create for yourself. And, he integrates that into his techniques. You know, we'll be doing breath work and then we'll be doing a sleep cycle and then we'll be watching our mind movies in a certain brainwave to really contact the subconscious. And I was just watching things manifest from that. You know, I was like, I know I'm going to go to Israel with Greg Braden and boom, there I was. I was like, I know I'm going to create a new online series interviewing world leaders on science and spirituality. Boom, there it starts happening. Um, And something happened after that where I came back and I was like, oh my goodness, I, I need to teach this. I, this is really, and it wasn't Joe's work specifically. Um, it was just teaching. And I, and I knew the, the, the groups that I wanted to work with, you know, like I said before the military and everything. And I just knew that David G had, had that background and so I just literally one night I just was staying with a friend in Sydney and I just went bang I jumped online and I was like I signed up and I'm like whoa like I'm going to be a meditation teacher but I sort of felt like well if I've been traveling the world for 10 years doing this and this is what I'm passionate about and I will fly to so many places to experience that's like perfect to be teaching because I'm limited you know you can kind of go within yourself yeah that's that's it feels right to me and so that's how I sort of when the teeter tottered I call it and I sort of went yeah this is right and for me that was um probably a big step because I'd spent my whole life as an actress and knowing that that was going to shift things and what did that mean and I went through a whole period of going well what will people perceive of me will they be saying well, why would we learn from her if her background is an actress? Or, 
you know, that was something that I really had to sit with for a while. And people around me were like, no, of, of course not. Like, you know, that's totally fine. But within myself, for some reason, I was like, but if I've only, if I've had a different path, it's so funny, isn't it? How with other people, I'm like, oh, I totally get it. But with you, you're like, oh, you know, what's the perception of this? But I allowed and I trusted and it's just unfolded in the most amazing way. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. You know, we are our worst critics. Like a lot of my clients I work with, you know, or people were just friends, you know, worried about what other people think, you know, where they'll think this and think this. And I'm like, well, you know, have they ever said anything to you or done anything to make you think that they think that? And then they're like, oh, well, no. And I'm like, okay. I said, do you realize the only reason why you think they think that is because that's actually what you think about yourself? And then they're like, oh, you know what? Like, you're right. I'm like, be kind to yourself, you know, like other people. And the thing is, everybody else is doing what you're doing. So they don't even have the time or space to be really having an opinion about you or sitting there and investing into that because they're worried about what other people are thinking or saying about what they're doing. So, yeah, you're so right about that. Yeah. So what's the, what's your drive? What's the reason why you're, you have this pull towards wanting to work with people in the forces? Well, I think that, um, first of all, I have a background of it. So my parents were skydivers and, um, they ran drop zones and my mum's a champion, Australian champion skydiver and represented Australia. And, um, so her first husband was in the SAS and he actually died in a plane crash going to a, um, a skydiving meet in Victoria. So that was outside of the barracks. And then she met my father who was also in the SAS and um, yeah. So I think it was sort of in, in my blood a bit. And then when she passed away for nearly four years ago now, um, the SASR association, so they really support the veterans and families. They stepped in to really help me. Um, The Padre was at my house within an hour of her dying, doing a blessing. He took me, you know, he organized the funeral. He took me to, um, you know, the funeral directors and the wake was at the barracks and they just really looked after me. And I said, oh, how can I give back to you? And they're like, what do you like behind the bar? I was like, well, I worked at a pub when I was 18. But so I started sort of working behind the bar as a volunteer and then um, doing, you know, we had a Reiki day for veterans and I sing the anthem for them there. And um, they made me a member about six months ago or a year ago now, which is just a real honor. And I just am really passionate about veterans. I'm passionate about the current serving members and their families. And, you know, I, and even, you know, with first responders and things like that, I just, there's so much um, that they have to see and process. And I, I believe that there are tools and techniques out there that have been developed, whether it's even tapping, which was developed to help, you know, the Vietnam veterans with PTSD and the way that it can really help people. Um, I think it's about really understanding the languaging to use uh, as well with them. And because I have a background in sport working um, with, you know, the NRL and things like that, I, I just, I really love, I really love being able to work with warrior type energies and, help them to see the magnificence um, that is, you know, behind also the, the labels of the work that they do. And, you know, they're under a lot of stress and they're, you know, fathers, mothers, you know, um, brothers, sisters, they've got so much else in their life. So it's about how can we really help them to be able to process the things that they need to see in their job or do in their job and, and, uh, yeah, you know, that's, it's just something I'm just, I'm so passionate about it. It makes me just want to jump out of my skin. And um, I look forward to the journey of, of, you know, working. I've been working with people one-on-one for a few years now that come from those certain backgrounds. And I'm really looking forward to now with this extra training, being able to, to jump into bigger groups. And, yeah. 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 So what is the, what is the near end you know, I, I suppose further away future look like for you? What's your plans? What's, what are you manifesting at the moment? Yeah, we're definitely doing some more work teaching with retreats um, and starting some workshops uh, to start with in Perth. So I'll be doing workshops with an amazing yin teacher um, called Tony Turner. And believe it or not, we actually worked on a television show together. So I was a presenter on Home in WA on Channel 7 and here's the sound 
guy and he's an amazing yin teacher. And so I find I'm very, very blessed to be um, stepping into union with that wonderful masculine energy that's teaching people how to be able to just slow down and be. And another teacher um, who is an amazing artist. And so we're working on, on different workshops and um, offerings for people where they can come and just uh, feel really uh, safe to be able to just let go and, and, and always have those tools and techniques to, to leave with as well. Um, and, yeah, obviously the new online show, which is not... It's not uh, named in the public yet, but that's been really exciting to be able to fly around the world and interview amazing people like, you know, Don Tolman and Greg Braden and um, David G. And uh, I'm looking forward to bringing that to the world. It's a conversation about uh, the union of science and spirituality. And that's something that's super important these days. So, yeah. So that's, that, that's what's happening for me, just really loving the journey and working with people and seeing lives transform you know i'm sure it's the same with you and it it feels so right to me yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i completely agree and so where can people find you well, internet social media oh, yeah um yeah people can when well, people can find me on instagram at chintzy wincy spider mm -hmm. which is c-i-n-z-y w-i-n-c-y S-P-I-D-A, Chintzy Wincy Spider. They can email me at my name, which is Chintzia Lee, C-I-N-Z-I-A-L-E-E -E, at M-E.com. Um, and, yeah, so the new website and everything will be launched in a couple of weeks for me. Just wanted to really reset with that um, since coming back from California. And, yeah, just they can just reach out and say good day. <laughs> yeah. And I have no doubt um, a lot of listeners will. I feel like I could just sit here and have this conversation go on forever. So we oh, might have to do it. Amazing. It's so great. And it was so nice to, you know, um, be a part of, you know, the workshop with you, with Darren on the Gold Coast. And it's so great, even as coaches and teachers, what I love so much, and Darren shines a light on that, it's okay for, for us to be able to attend things and be vulnerable in there as well because, from that, we, you know, it's really living that authenticity that, wow, there are parts of my life that I thought I you know, had worked through this or done this forgiveness here or done that. And it's like when we can come together and really dive into a space of recognising, wow, you know, I'm still holding on to this or that or um, where can I give more love to this area of my life or rewrite a mission statement for that? I feel like that's a really amazing space. So I'm very glad that we got to do that together as well. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I believe the best coaches have an even better coach. You know, mm -hmm. I, like we need to support each other. Um, and especially when we're working with people where there is trauma, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to keep in check with ourselves to be able to hold space for them and be able to help them mm. um, in the way that we need to. So, yeah, and definitely being able to be in that space because, um, it is, you know, it is, I guess, when you're working with clients, they can sort of think that you have all of your crap together, you know, yeah. like you, and it's, I'm always really honest. I'm like, no, not at all, you know, like and this is what I'm working on at the moment and, um, just being open because it's a constant evolution, you know, and things happen yeah. in our life and we change and we grow um, and that's what it's yeah. about. But being able to be in a space like that, um, I just love it, you know, because there's there's nothing yeah. else like it. It's incredible and being able to be fully authentic and then connect and meet other people is just the icing on the cake. And I always say to people as well, it's not that I don't have days of, you know, doubt or being worried or afraid it's just that now i have the awareness to go how old am i feeling right now i think it's three-year-old me and three-year-old me doesn't have the tools of meditation or tapping or things like that so okay so the awareness comes faster and therefore the implementation of the tools comes faster and the more that you're able to go oh hang on a sec what if i just get out of the way and allow the universe to sort this out like wayne dyer says there's a spiritual solution to every problem i think 
well, I know that us as coaches and teachers, that's the, that's the only thing is we've practiced it for so long that we're able to just faster get to that place of awareness. It doesn't mean nothing ever happens or goes inverted commas wrong. It's just that we are able to get there faster, you know, and that's what we want to teach other people to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. It's like Darren says, you know, we'll always experience pain, fear and stress. And what I always tag onto the end of it is, you know, it's just that how long am I going to sit there in it? How long am I going to stay in that reactive state? How long? Um, and then having these tools, um, you know, it just each time it's just quicker and quicker, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And it will continue to happen. And we want that, you know, because you, it's another opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for chatting today. It's been so nice. No, thank you. <laughs> one last question before we yeah. finish up. But is what's one thing that we can do every day to be the best us? Uh, well, obviously, I'm going to say meditate. So if you can even do five minutes of a morning and if you can bookend your day, so of a morning and then probably like around 4 or 4.30 of an afternoon, it really it makes such a difference to the ripple effect that you're going to take out into the world. And I also say to people, what are, what are three things you're doing? Like, are you changing the toilet roll or leaving it for someone else? Are you picking up rubbish without anyone needing to see you? And what about like buying a coffee for a stranger? You know, what are three things that I can do today that make a difference to the world without anyone needing to tell me I'm a great person? Um, you know, that ripple effect is huge. But with the meditation, it's that five, even five minutes of the morning, it's going to really calm so much within you it's teaching your body that it's safe it's changing neurologically what's going on and you will notice a difference you know you will have amazing spontaneous interactions with people and you know things flow more smoothly in your life you know the lines shorter at the coffee shop or you don't care as much that there is a a long line and then you're in the line and then you have this profound conversation with the person next to you and they offer you some kind of assistance with connecting with someone and you're like I don't want this to end whereas a week beforehand you might have been like oh this is really crap you know and um the five minutes of an afternoon really helps to uh wash the mind of what's happened and really help the body the mind sorry to and body to process what's gone on throughout the day and I just say I just you know challenge people just give it a go you know even if you do it for a week just notice the differences that are happening really notice that and check in with yourself on how I felt at the beginning of the week how I feel at the end and even notice some of the like kooky things that have happened the synchronicities or notice when you're not as reactive and you know when we can respond and have that gap between response you know the stimulus and response when we can have that gap and and have that awareness and respond rather than react you know it just it it changes our lives and it's real you know science has proven it now absolutely yeah (laughs) Oh, look, thank you so much for your time. I'll put links um, in this as well um, for how people can contact you and a few of the other things that um, you mentioned as well. And, um, yeah, so grateful for your time today and to cross paths on the Gold Coast, uh, not last week, the week before. I can't believe it's been that long already. Um, I'm really excited for what the future has in store for you and the ripple effect Um, that the whole world is going to feel just by you showing up and being your authentic self. So thank you. And, um, yeah, I look forward to chatting again soon. Lots of love from Perth. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you head over to iTunes, click subscribe and leave me a review. I'd also love to connect with you via social media. Just search Becky Taylor, transformational coach on all platforms and you'll find me. My website is beckytaylor.com and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, shoot me an email on info at beckytaylor.com. Until next time, keep shining your light. Infinite love and gratitude.